0: Well, this is a special uh, interview today. I'm interviewing Hallie Bryant, the 1953 uh, Mr. Basketball from Crispus Attics, went on to uh, to play at IU, uh, went on to a, a long career playing and, and in different roles with the uh, Harlem Globetrotters and a member of the Indiana Basketball Hall of Fame among many, many credentials and uh, an honor to sit here and talk with Hallie uh, about hopefully many things here that uh, we kind dig of into, dig into the past a little bit and, and uh, you know. Just kind of talk about what what uh, basketballs meant in his life and, and, and other things, but uh, Hallie, um, you know, I know, you know, obviously the story of Attucks has been well to- well told, and, and and over the course of six decades, and the, those teams from the nineteen fifties have really become sort of an a, a integral part of the history of Indiana high school basketball. But, you know, I wanted to start with you, you know, kind of going back. You, you weren't originally born in Indiana, right? Your, your, your family was from, from the South?
1: Yeah, Calhoun Falls, South Carolina. It's about near Greenville, South Carolina, wagon distance from Calhoun Falls. But I came here when I was uh, eight or nine years old, and uh, I went to public school 24 in Lockfield Gardens, and from there I went to – Public School Seventeen, which was right next door to uh, Crystal's Attics, and that's where I met my guy who I considered he was like a role model. He and my dad, Coach Ray Crow, of course, my dad and the family, so they were on the same page when it came to principles and feeling good about yourself, etc.
0: Now, now, what brought your family here to, to Indianapolis? I know there was a you know, a, lot, a lot of families migrated to Indianapolis around, around that time. That would have been about nineteen forty four, I believe. That's right. when, when you, <laughs> I think I read that somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> so you guys came here, and you had what two brothers, two sisters? And, and I had I had
1: it's uh, three boys, five in the family, uh, myself and, and two older brothers and two younger sisters, and so uh, we we're very blessed. Uh, I, my stepmother, who was a wonderful stepmother, had a sister who lived here in Indianapolis. As you said, as people migrated, they go north and they make way for you to get there and, and progress into better things. And so, yeah, uh, that, that's how we got to Indianapolis from Calhoun Falls, South Carolina.
0: <laughs> what were your recollections of? I'm sure you remember moving here and and you know your your first interactions with with people here in Indiana. What was you know, young Halle Bryant, how, how did you how'd you take to the move? What was different about living here maybe than it was in South Carolina?
1: You know, I, I loved where I was in South Carolina, but you, you always had these uh, things in your mind pertaining to going up north. And, and you thought about Hollywood, and you thought about all the things up north meant to you. Yeah. <laughs> so, and then we didn't have much snow down. You could see snow, all the things as a kid loved to see like. So uh, it was something look, looking forward to. You had mixed emotion, but you knew there was something better better schools better opportunities etc so it was exciting
0: living where you lived I mean how, how soon did you kind of meet uh, friends in the neighborhood maybe friends who uh, would later on become you know I don't know teammates of yours or, or schoolmates of yours you know how quickly did you sort of uh, make friends uh, you know where you were living pretty quickly I know one one of
1: my contemporaries which is not many still around <laughs> Clifford Robinson Clifford Fawcett Robinson he lived right you near know, Vermont Street and Agnes Street, within a half a block away, so we became good friends. And so then Willie Gardner, who played with me, we became good friends. We met in in, in grade school, we played together in grade school and all, and Oscar Robertson, brother and and of course Oscar Robertson, we were all in the same neighborhood pretty much. So uh, at that time, people who seemed to have certain things in common usually come together. So that's how we met and became good friends and teammates, et cetera.
0: You were, you, what did your father do? What was his occupation? Well, he worked for the Riley
1: Hospital. You know, he was, a, he, he was a, like a janitorial type of worker and, and whatever, and I guess he was over the others, so it turned out quite well.
0: Was he into basketball? Was that something, was athletics uh, part of his, his upbringing at all? Or, or No,
1: no, he didn't play, probably worked most of his life yeah. <laughs> in the field, so what. But uh, he was always pulling for his siblings to do great in whatever we did. He said, stay out of trouble and, and uh, don't run with the wrong people and, 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 and I'll back you, do whatever it takes to keep you going in the right direction.
0: What was the connection for you to then to start? You, know, you mentioned meeting, you know, Ray Crow. Um, you, know, you met Willie Gardner's a name. People around Indianapolis definitely remember that name. Was it because of those guys you kind of got connected then with basketball, or were you kind of interested anyway? Well,
1: in, in, in Lockfield Gardens, they have public school over there called Public School Number Twenty Four. had big windows, you could look out the windows. There was a playground, a basketball court. Right, you could just almost like throw a pebble over there. And I know they weren't supposed to have been playing, but they run up and down for playing basketball. It, it, it intrigued me what they were doing. They were making hoops and stuff like that. So that's that's when I first got interested in it. And so I couldn't wait to get out there and, and play around with the basketball. And I got hooked on it. I mean, it was a game that you didn't have to have anybody but yourself shooting a hoop and whatever. And then you could play a three on three and whole court. And that was, I was hooked on basketball from then on.
0: Was it something where, so you were playing, uh, you say, you mentioned Willie was one of your, your teammates, um, you know, growing up. What, what was, you know, what, for your first competitive experience, was that it? Was, it? was it playing with him? and
1: Well, when we went on to public school 17, that's where you met uh, the coaches and whatever, and I uh, had been playing basketball on the court, and the coaches were just giving us some, some coaching on how to be better. And so Willie was one of the great athletes. He could do everything. He was a basketball, baseball, tall guy, but he could do no-hand flips. He just, I was impressed with Willie. So we became good friends. And then we, of course, played together on the Attucks basketball team.
0: It, now, once you, start, once you get to Attics, at that time, what, what did the school, you know, when you get to the school, and Attics is, is I think you even said, it's a, a, lemon, a lemonade from lemons, I think was how you put it <laughs> one time, was, was how the school kind of came to be. I mean, it was a, a segregated school that became something great. Um, because of the the teachers, the people who were there and the, the the obviously the athletes who were there as well. But what was your, you know, first kind of uh you know experience being there? What was your impressions of, of addicts when you first arrived there?
1: Well as I said, uh, the grade school is right next door. So you can see students coming in and out and you hear about the basketball team, you could hear your team uh being broadcast on radio. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you wanna be on the radios <laughs> But just walking through the halls there, you saw a lot of people look like you, and you look like you, etc. before they integrated the school. And a uh, little story about uh, Attics High School uh, before they built Attucks, and, they, and the, for When I was told they built it to, to get the black students out of the white schools, so have all black school over here. then most of the kids were going to Manual and some was going to Cathedral, etc. But when they built Addicts, uh, then the less instead of busing, they got over there some kind of way. So I mean, I had no idea about any of these things when I was coming up, and didn't make me much different. as I could play basketball and, and get an education. But addicts is a, they could do a whole story on Christmas addicts. I'm sure there are a number of other schools in different cities similar to addicts, same same situation. But it, it turned out, like you said, you, sometimes you make a—you uh, make lemons out of the worst, whatever that phrase I use, I forgot <laughs> that now. So, but whatever that kill you will make you stronger, so to speak, and that is the truth, unless you have some things that kind of shake you up and make you grow then you grow kind of weekly I think
0: right and it was it hadn't been very long addicts uh, you know th- there was definitely situations where addicts was traveling out to different parts of the state to play teams there were there were schools who wouldn't play against addicts do, do you do you remember some of those road trips to to you know smaller uh, schools in the in the in the state uh, that you guys took and
1: yeah well during my time they had integrated school pretty much, but maybe three or four years before they couldn't play the to- schools, the white schools, so they had to go different places had white, black schools, black schools, black mm-hmm. schools, and whatever. I heard about all those things. And then we had a great principal, Russell Lane. He knew that if we got out of line someplace, it would reflect on the school, so we, we had a reputation for ourselves and for the school. He preached that. He made sure that we uh, did the right things and uh, didn't rough up the players on the court so we'd get put out of the game. He, they knew what we had to run up against. So then, they also knew that when we got into, out in life, we had learned the same thing. So they told us to try to uh, treat people right, treat yourself right, be respectful, and I mean, those things paid off for me greatly.
0: Well, you know, and to talk to say how great you know Hallie Bryant was, if he, if he won't say it in particular, the the you were the first uh, player to go over a thousand points who played three years in Indianapolis, and you ended up scoring. One thousand four hundred and eight points. So I think that kind of shows uh, you were kind of a transcendent uh, player uh, on the floor at that time. Had you, you know, and I think sometimes maybe it gets lost because Oscar came three years later and kind of broke every every record that you had set along the way. But but at the time you were you know you were it in, in the city uh, as far as the the top player. I mean, when did you kind of become the, in your mind that confident guy who could you know? Put up those type of numbers because fourteen hundred points in the early fifties is, is a is a pretty good mountain of, of baskets.
1: You know, I'm uh, reminded that as little kids we look up to somebody somewhere, and you quote, like Joe Sexton and, and the great players at Tech, and, and you read in the paper they they went uh, Sacred Heart. I remember the guys that was there. I, I'm envisioning now. Uh, I was reading those papers. I wanted to be like that. I wanted to get break their record. My, I was ahead of the competitors. I want to break their record. So. <laughs> Joe Sexton was a great, great all-around player, and people, some people would remember that. So, uh, but then I always wanted to be the best. I mean, I, you know, for, I guess I was taught that by by my dad, or whatever. So, but once you see what someone else is doing, you feel you can do it too. Remember, that, it would say, "You know, they put their pants on the same way you put your pants on." You know, so I, I think it has a lot to do with what you were brought up around you know and, and i do these presentations now and i talk to parents whatever kids are modeling after you whatever you do they're going to model after you, good bad or whatever so and that's when you when you're around a little bit of little kids like that they're watching you they may not let you know but they're watching you you got to watch what you're doing that's the new generation going to be whatever you are if they're watching you properly and the parents teach them properly mm-hmm.
0: and, and i think you were always known as a guy who was you know reading stories about you even as a high school player you know, pretty quiet guy. I mean, kind of a, a quiet leader. Um, you know, I don't know if you're, maybe your friends may describe you differently, but how did, you know, and I know you weren't the only great player. You had Bailey Robertson. You had uh, Willie Gardner, like you said. You had some really good players around you. How, how would, if I mentioned those two, how would you describe uh, those two and their, their personalities?
1: like similar as far as
0: competitiveness,
1: and that's what Coach Crow uh, instilled in us. Um, and of course uh, Oscar uh, Bailey Robinson Oscar's uh, brother they were not too far everybody played over in Lockfield Garden. we would then play for four, four, three or four blocks of the field of the uh, we call it the dust bowl at mm-hmm. the time we it the dust bowl it wasn't not paved at one time it was the dust bowl okay. <laughs> so, but competitiveness uh, fairness and and, and and desire whether it was basketball whether was art whatever it is that gets you to the top if you really have a Love for it and, and have the spirit for it, you can go to the top in most cases. Mm-hmm.
0: I wanted to ask you about the Dust Bowl. That's a, that's a, a an iconic uh, venue in Indianapolis. A lot of the great players of, of your time played there. Um, you know, what are your what are your favorite recollections What do you remember about the Dust Bowl? When was the first time you played there? When was what was the what was the atmosphere like there? Uh, playing there? Well,
1: as I said, it was a Dust Bowl, and one and then they paved it over. A guy named Jimmy Gaines, uh, Bruce we call him Bruiser because he would rough up people but he uh, <laughs> he made sure that court was immaculate and had the, the nets up to have some nets up a dynamite most of the time nets would be torn down you got to shoot in, in the rim but well, that helped you, you have a keener eye shooting straight in there without the nets but uh, everybody wanted to play in lockfield. we had teams from all over like Chicago and some places in Michigan would come down and play in the Dust Bowl tournament so to speak and they would uh, they would you could win like maybe a uh, a trophy you know, and <laughs> 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 so, but if if you played in a lockfield garden and, and 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 made it out there unscathed, you you that was like a, a victory. The Van Orsdale twins, they, they came over there. And they're probably one of the first white people to come over there. Because many times, people probably thought that if you go in those territory, you gotta get beat up or whatever. But we took them. In. They talk about it now. If you ever interview yeah. them, they talk about that's so how they got a lot of good experiences by. It. Coming into that area over there.
0: Uh huh. Well, how close did you live there? I mean, was that basically your your right? Probably about five blocks. Five
1: blocks. Four or five blocks. I live uh, near where the uh, hospital is on Hawatha Street. Hawatha in Michigan. You know the uh, community hospital over there. So I walked over there naturally, and well, that's why I'd go to school anyway. <laughs> Everybody <laughs> was walking over there. Lot field gardens.
0: How much did that? Make you into the player you became? Do you think just just oh, playing that, with it? The- that was a foundation.
1: That was a foundation, a competitiveness, and, you, and to get along with people. There's some bullies over there too. So <laughs> everywhere you go, you got this is my territory. You got you got to earn your keep. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> winner stays. I'm taking it, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Actually, you you play going uh, go, go to twenty. And the winner stays up. And you could play all day if you win it. So uh those are some great experiences. Actually athletics is somewhat what life is about. You win some, you lose some, and if you're fair about it, uh you learn how to be fair in life with whoever you're competing with, and that pays off.
0: A lot of what I have read about, you know, Ray Crow, um, he he would say you know when we go on the road or pretty much any anywhere we play it, it's uh you know it's seven on five you know we got to win by ten make sure we're up by ten and, and and you know and make sure the refs don't have a part in, in the outcome of the game and one of the most famous games you played in unfortunately uh came down to that against shelbyville uh in, in the semi-state and uh you end up getting called for a, a charging foul um you know very controversial uh play I, I've seen uh, Ray Crow's, uh comments about it in, the, in years later. Uh, w- w- was definitely something that stuck with him. I think even in the moment you said, you know, that's something I'll have to live with, you mm-hmm. know, the rest of my life. Um, I re- remember reading in the in the Star at the time. You've
1: done your homework. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, you know, to lose in basketball at that age was hurting. Yeah. And so, I mean, I was—I I remember vividly—I was driving into—I used to like to drive and float in the air and I'm floating I didn't see anything and then all of a sudden I'm in the air and a guy runs under me and I well I had nowhere to go but down on now they learned later how to call that call or maybe they already knew but they didn't call it that day came down on the guy and they gave a uh, young plymate was a guy's name Shelbyville he made the free throws and we, we lost about a point or two to them that was hurting took me a long while to get over there
0: <laughs> that was a game where I think you guys felt like you probably should have should have beat Shelbyville and, and then we would probably won the state in my
1: opinion because we did have the best talent yeah.
0: How much did that, I mean, it, it, and again, it, you know, the history books go back, and addicts of course, won in 55, you know, 55, 56, 59, so there was three state championships. You didn't know that in 53 that that, that was going to be the case. How much did that, I mean, how much pride did you take to get to that point, but then, you know, the hurt of losing by two points and being so close, uh, how, how how difficult was that at the time?
1: As I said, it was a hurting thing. It took a while, probably years it affected me, but as you look back on this, I'm sure you've had this experience where something happened you thought was awful. Then you realize, boy, if that didn't happen, this would happen. So it was a blessing in disguise in some cases. I might not have been Mr. Basketball or whatever. There enough people probably felt okay about it to vote for me. I don't know Bob Collins was one of those guys, but uh, in retrospect, I mean... It, I probably, if we did, if we had won the state, blah blah, I might have gone to a different school. Some of the things could have happened. I might not have even gone with the Harlem Globetrotters. I'm seeing, you know, so I'm thinking, oh, well, these things happen for a reason. Mm-hmm.
0: And so you go on a couple weeks later. You're named Mr. Basketball um, by a pretty good margin. I think it was it was pretty clear uh, that you were Mr. Basketball that year. You know what? What did that mean to a kid who 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 grew up, you know, in Indianapolis and and had 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 really made a name for himself? But you know, to to get that honor. Uh, was relatively new you know Mr. Basketball only been around for about 15 years at that time but it was the it was the thing most so.
1: prestigious thing in the state of Indiana and, and you dream about it as a little bit little kid it was I remember I was on the baseball team we were playing baseball and someone brought the news to me I almost fainted. <laughs> gee Monelli, and so uh, it was a great moment for, for, for me and great for, for the school and for the society black people particularly and so I never will forget that even today I mean that left a lasting impression on me, and so being able to win a scholarship go to any university and from there to the Globetrotters. so uh, as I look back, I have no real regrets
0: uh, and I wanted to ask we talked before we started uh, recording about Bob Collins' shooting the stars uh, column and his uh his coverage of the uh the attics teams was was uh, I think maybe took Addicts to another level, gave him more, you know, credibility from a from a statewide standpoint. Uh um, you know, what did what did he I know you guys stayed friends over the years and, and uh, you know he was a big proponent I think of, of Attic's basketball and, and what did that kind of mean to you? What did that mean to the, the program do you think?
1: A great deal. I learned later on that Bob was he didn't have a, a bigotry streak in him and he knew what we were up against. So he I think he took time and patience to try to level level a field off to some degree I, I got that impression about Bob then we became friends etc because I guess he went through a few things himself that he told me about so he he, he knew that the pen was mightier
0: <laughs> so, he, he was a guy too that uh, I think maybe took some you know took some heat uh, for the way he covered he, you guys he did
1: yeah he did he knew he would too he took courage to do that so uh, you always have these type of people we need more
0: people like him when you look back too and i wanted to ask you about um, the, the recruiting process kind of you know cuz i know most kids now you know they're they're by, by their junior year they're either decided or they have not a good idea of where they're going to school what was it like in the in the 1952 53 were you being recruited how did, how did that process work at that time and was iu somewhere you wanted to go or was it just something that kind of happened uh, as you went along
1: well if if you win this uh, mr basketball make the all team instead of being there in all-college after. I must have 50 colleges because I'm sure they were thinking about the person who won Mr. Basketball, black guy too. Right. And so, yeah, I had a number of offers that, of course, made my self-esteem bigger and whatever, and you believe you had a chance. So then, um, I know a lot of my coaches and relatives and friends, they wanted me to stay closer to the state instead of going to Nebraska or Michigan. I was... The baseball coach used to carry myself and Willow Gardner to these different schools that were trying to recruit us to see the colleges: in uh, Michigan State, Michigan, and 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 uh, all the Big Ten schools. And so, ended up staying with uh, IU. I was a football player, uh, Graham Martin, who played uh, Graham Martin and Mitchell uh, Line. Some of the other black players who went, played football at IU. And so they pulled for me to go to their alma mater. It worked out fine.
0: What was your second choice if you wouldn't have gone to IU?
1: Probably Michigan State, it was, that was fairly new college, I mean, they, they came into the Big Ten about a year or two before we went up to visit, beautiful campus, incredible, Hollywood galore, okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> so because it was so beautiful, and I hadn't seen anything like that, you know, uh-huh. and the people, we went up there doing homecoming, and boy, was, the campus was all lit up beautifully, I said, wow, so that's what impressed me about Michigan State at that time.
0: Was IU, uh, the the closeness to home, was that a big factor for, in your decision? Yeah.
1: Yeah. A big factor. And uh of course Bill Garrett had played there prior to me. Right. And I had met Bill Garrett. In fact played against Bill Garrett on the Dust Bowl and uh they beat us by uh two points and I cried like a kid. I was fifteen year, fourteen or fifteen when I was playing against him. So but I, everybody was was uh, impressed with Bill Garrett on my error. You, know, right. you know, you know play on
0: oh, Bill Garrett, Bill Garrett, you know. So and Bill was the first uh, black player in the Big Ten. Uh, re- right. recruited to Recruited to IU. Right, huh? yeah. uh, right after, I know, Jumping Johnny Wilson didn't get that opportunity. And then the next year, uh, uh, Bill Garrett did go to IU. What Did did you feel like he kind of paved the way, in, in essence, for you?
1: Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. I knew Johnny Wilson well, too. uh he just passed away a couple of years ago. Well. Good guy. They, they uh, I think during that time that your parents and your teachers, everyone, Try to instill in you to make make it better for the person coming behind you. Whatever you can do, just like the Jackie Robinson thing, you break. You know, you know. Even if, even if you, if you uh, don't excel that great in athletics, you have an opportunity to set the pathway so people can can dispel whatever negativism they've had about the black person or whatever.
0: You go to IU, play for Branch McCracken. What what was? How, how would you describe that experience? and, and, and what was it like leaving? A place in Indianapolis where you had really become you know comfortable and, and uh, you know had a great group of, of friends to leave and go to Bloomington then what, what was that like
1: it was a great experience again uh, uh, Branch and I probably didn't see eye to eye on some things uh, I mean I could see different players playing before me that I thought I could outdo you know and so then I had a lot of fans tell me the same thing but I didn't want to talk negative about Branch or whatever but uh, later on he came around in fact I would go back down on the campus after I had graduated from there, and he would put his arm around me. And say, "Son, I just I just didn't understand you. I wish I had, you know." He almost apologized for it. And I don't tell people this to try to make them think that I was, whatever. Yeah. So, but Branch was. People do the best they can with what they have at that time. Right.
0: Did, what, what What do you think it was? I mean, was it just a, just a personality thing, or just? Well, did,
1: I guess I guess you would call bigotry a personality too. Mm-hmm. Uh. That's all I'm gonna say about that one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you feel like you had the college career that that eventually, you know, you you felt like you had a good career at IU?
1: No. the degree that I got there and all the friends I made there. You know, I mean, Wally Choice was, I think Wally, was Wally was probably the second or third black player there. But those, your your teammates and and, and uh, camaraderie, those are things that stick with you. Mm-hmm. you see. And as far as the school, I mean, the campus is incredible. Bloomington, uh, IU, and it's, it's a it's a, a great uh, college campus. So uh, it was a great experience. Yeah,
0: you you ended up having a, a really long career uh, playing for the Harlem Globetrotters, and then you're part of the you're ambassador uh, uh, for the for the Globetrotters for many years uh, after that. How did that come to be? I mean, what what was the connection for you? to get involved there and then you know and then I'll ask you how, kind of how you stayed with them for that one
1: well actually uh, again the, the owner the founder was Abe Saperstein from Chicago but I'm sure that Willard Gardner having been the first player from Indiana maybe the second to make it with the Hall of Blood and so Abe Saperstein and his crew saw that part oh, if Willie's that good and they talk talking about this guy Howie Bryant maybe we can get him on the team too so they gave me a tryout, so to speak, and, uh, I guess I impressed him, and, uh, I think the coach kind of, uh, the owner of Abe kind of liked me, because I was very quiet, where I mean, I didn't look like I was a cut-up type guy. <laughs>
0: so I guess that'd be up a little bit. You're the and, straight man. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I was a long shot specialist, so to speak, so I guess, he they, they, they could see that. They pick out different aspects that would make you fit in with your team, because everybody's not a comedian, or you know. they've got to have the long shot specialists and dunk shot specialists. everybody got a specialist, so can all blend together. So, uh, that was a blessing in disguise because I always wanted to travel around the world. I had those dreams when I was a little kid. If you look up in the sky and see those planes, look like they were sitting still. And I had been to the movies and I saw where people would travel around doing this stuff, and I prayed for it. I believe I believe in prayer, and so my prayers have come true, and the ones that didn't come true, good thing they didn't, because I would've been in trouble.
0: <laughs> <laughs> was playing in the NBA something that you ever was it ever presented to you that that was a, a- a possibility, or, or you know, how did that, you know?
1: I knew it was slim, but that, that's what I, everybody wanted to be in the NBA. You know, and the fact that I was drafted by the St. Louis Hawks, St. Louis, and uh, I come, to cut, I was the last one to get cut, I guess, because you know, it cut me away from. And, 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 and the guy, the coach, he said, "Hella, you should make this team." However, and it was a white kid named Will Winfall. He said, "But he's, he's, uh, he's like a neighborhood kid here." So they they cut down those two, and, and naturally he won that. So he he, he took the uh, time to explain that to me, which helped a lot. But mm-hmm. that was a hurt.
0: And was it right after that? Then you had the the Globetrotter. Uh,
1: he in tr- fact the coach they, and and it was after him talking. They told him he was a good guy. Blah blah. See how things turn out. Turn out. You know? Yeah. So it turned out for the betterment for me. Looking back on it, I would would have wanted it to go that way, considering all the things that has happened since then. And it allowed me to play for 14 years and become PR director. And then I formed my own one-man Globe Trotter show. And, you know, that's life, life is like that. It, things turn around in mysterious ways.
0: <laughs> so 14 years you're playing uh, for the Globetrotters. What what type of uh, schedule was that like? And, and uh, I, I know, you know, a lot of times there's not the whole Globe Globetrotter group isn't the same, basically, city to city. What was it like at that time? Were you going... How, like, how many stops would you have over the course of a You played years?
1: nightly, but uh, the uh, logistic was that they made leap program, 50 miles, 70 miles, 80 miles like that, instead of making 200, 300 miles, bus by bus primarily. And then if you had long hops to make you fly the bus catch up with it. So it, it was, uh, it's I I consider as a genius as far as uh, entertaining people and making money and, and whatever he yeah. had. He had a great mind, and he came up with something different. You know, uh, you don't have to understand anything about basketball. to love the Hall of Globetrotters. And I think the thing, in my opinion, that makes the Globetrotters so popular everywhere is that it brings a little kid out of you. You know, you see little kids, they they laughing. It it's a, it's a, a visual. And then the music with Georgia Brown. People laughing, having fun. So that's why I think the Globetrotters have, have retained their popularity so long.
0: And I know from a uh, you have to be a great player to to be on the. It's not just a, I mean it's a show, but you also have to be really really good at, at what you're doing. And and you know I think when you see it, I, I always take my kids down to the uh, Banker's Life uh, the, in February when they come here, and, and it, it really is amazing to watch them what they can do, mm-hmm. uh, all the tricks they can do, but also they're just really great players. Did do you do you, did you practice a lot or? or
1: yeah, you practice, they call them routines, uh, or routines, but you do have to be a good player. It's almost like a, a skilled piano player. If they can play, joke, uh, play kind of fancy stuff, they had to do the basic first better in order to get to where they ought to do the regular fun type stuff. So the dribbling and the ball handling and the, uh, all of the uh, agility things. You had to be a great player in order to be a, 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 a trotter. but then you fit, you know, Basic skills in with the globetrotter style, and you got it going for you.
0: Right, and you mentioned your dream was to travel around. What was it like? I mean, was it was it a lot? Was it was it uh, was it what you thought it would be to travel to all these cities? And, and, yes,
1: and, yeah. As I said, my dream came true, and you know, it was an education. I was very blessed to have been around the world four or five times with the globetrotters, and then after that, I was in the PR stuff. So I wanted to see the world. I wanted to be able to see how different people lived in different areas and whatever. So uh, uh, and I think that helped me a great deal as far as uh, my overall view about humankind, you see.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And also, it's an opportunity when you run into a bigotry, run into some negative stuff, to teach. Mm-hmm. And I've had an opportunity to do that from time to time.
0: I think, I believe it was in 1998, uh, the, the Globe Charts were going to honor you uh, here uh, in Indianapolis. And you said, you know, I, before that happens... You know, I want Willie Gardner to be, uh, to be honored, you know, to, because, you know, that was important to you. You guys went back to, uh, you know, since you were little kids and, and were close friends. Um, what, what can you tell me about that time? What, what was that, um, you know, how did that come to be that, that you kind of stepped up for him?
1: Well, Willie and I were really like brothers, you know, brothers from another mother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and he had, diabetes mean, at the time, and he, I think he was in a wheelchair to some degree. I've already had all of my uh, glory and stuff like that, so I figured they could put him in there first, you know. And that was—I wasn't trying to be uh, Mister Goody Two Shoes or anything. I just wanted that to happen. I, I, you know, I've been very blessed, and here's a guy I didn't know whether he was going to get in or not, but so I suggested that, and then I—I I, I didn't think about what you just said, you know, boy, you being a good guy, or whatever. I just did it from my heart. Mm-hmm.
0: And then a couple of years later, you were putting the halls. right. Thing. Uh-huh. Yeah. But, and I want to ask you about Willie anyway. I mean, I think he, maybe he's a little bit I – mean, I think people remember the name but maybe don't remember the game of uh, that he had. And, and I, even Bob Collins had wrote, I think, 20 years later about, you know, everybody should remember uh, Willie Gardner just to, he kind of gets lost in the shuffle sometimes. How, how would you describe, you know, you mentioned he's a good friend, but his, uh, his on-the-court game? As good
1: as any. Oscar and all of them because he brought to the game uh, some things that uh, – he was only six, seven. People thought he was taller than that, but he could slam dunk backwards, forward. He was a great athlete. Like I said, a, a, a tall, skinny kid can turn no hand flips. You know, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he did it with uh, effortlessly, seamlessly, see, smooth. See. Uh-huh. So he, he's a great athlete, great player, great person.
0: The the nineteen fifty there, there's a uh, I, I talked to Ralph Taylor the other day, and he's kind of putting together a. Uh, a, a, a city get together of the great players from the '50s and '60s, which should be a really fun event for you guys. But that was kind of a, a, a glory, uh, glorious time for basketball uh, in the city. How much you know when you look back at that? I mean, there's so many great players. You know, Shortridge was 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 good. You know, Washington later was was really good. Who uh, who were, were kind of? I know Tech Tech at your time was it was a team that you really battled with. What was that? You know, what was that experience like to, to play in the city at that time?
1: It was great because, you know, even Manuel, not, Dick Nyers and Dick and Tom Nyers, and then mm-hmm. later on became Van Orzeel Twins and all that. As I said, Tech was the team that everybody wanted to beat because they, had, they were the biggest school in the state, I believe, at that time, but they had great athletes. And as I said, all young players were looking up at somebody if they got, if they got a reputation. Mm-hmm. Joe Sexton and a guy named Rupke, and uh, they, had, they had great teams. And also, you know, at that time, it was only one class ball. And to win the sectional, you had to win four games in a row to win the sectional. And then that carries you into the, uh, the, the regional and semifinals and the finals. You had to really go a long way. About ten games you had to win in order to win the state, I believe. Uh, so uh, that's what you're looking forward to these things. You dream about them. You go to bed dreaming about them couldn't wait to get up the next morning to go out and hit, get some hoops in, in order to get good at what you do, and I, and I was blessed to have a a great family. I was the youngest of three boys. I didn't have to work, so to speak, and I, I I was able to tell my brothers how much I appreciated them too for allowing me to be able to to play and have fun and do whatever. And so uh, I come rambling here a little bit. But what else?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Did your brothers play? No, they didn't play
1: basketball. Like I said, they worked and let the little brother play.
0: <laughs> the i was going to ask you i'd be remiss not to uh, ask you about the uh june 20th I, I was reading this last night uh june 20th 1953 the uh, headline in the uh in the star all star ace defies bet fixer and there was a uh, there was a, a basically a threat uh, uh made against to you that was given to you um basically not to play in the indian all star game against kentucky uh, Five hundred dollars, not to play, and, and you know, I know you. You kind of downplayed it at the time. So I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna play. Were you, looking back, were you scared? I mean, was no, I'm it...
1: probably too dumb. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, uh, all my friends came. They said, "Man, we got your back." Willie Goddard was one of them. A whole bunch of them, you know. And, and of course, they, they had they, uh, the uh, security people took took uh, note to it. And they make sure that my house. They had a couple of cops around my house. Whatever. And so it didn't bother me at the game because, I mean, I, all that was out of my head. I just, i blessed to get out of it. might have been something to boost my confidence, but I was lucky enough to win enough to get all the stars of that game up here. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh,
0: yes, ma'am. So you, Hallie, you were, and I think this was something that, I remember the tech, I was reading too, tech and addicts, and there was some, some gambling, uh, you know, some some threats going on, uh, even with that game when you guys played them in your senior year. So it sounds like something that had – it wasn't definitely just unique to your situation there. It was something that it had happened before. And I think one of Tech's players actually sat out uh, in a game that you were supposed to play them because of the threat uh, against them. But do you think it was, a, it was a racially charged thing, or was it just, a, you know, some, some some guy trying to get a little bit of money off, off of a game? Well,
1: I, you know, it could have been a hoax, too. Yeah. I, I t- I got the letter, and it had no return address on, so I just gave it to the coach. you yeah. know I don't really know, I yeah, don't really know uh, uh, never know could have been a black guy right <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> I know the 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 obviously the racial uh there's a lot of stuff that you dealt with personally, a lot of stuff your team's dealt with uh you know throughout the fifties and and you know that time was definitely there's a lot of racially charged uh, incidents that happened. But you seem like somebody who, you know, you never t- talked a whole lot about that and, and didn't dwell on it a lot. You know, lo- looking back, you know, is, is it, you know, how do you, ha- how do you kind of, how much did that kind of make you into who you were? And, and, and why did you sort of not, you know, uh, feel bitter about it, I guess?
1: Well, actually, whether it's right or wrong, I was brought up by a, a great father, in my opinion. I mean, uh, not just because of my father. He, he would say that no one is better than you, and you're not better than anyone else. We're all God's children. So when you have that philosophy in life, a lot of this stuff's not going to bother you that much. And he said, when you see people who are thinking differently than you or uh, bigotry or whatever, that's their problem in most cases. And, uh, and, uh, and Mother Teresa said, love them anyway. So you don't have to love them, but you can leave them. So you don't have to let that bother you. You're okay as long as you feel okay about yourself. Things out there is not going to bother you as much as a person that's not feeling okay about himself.
0: Is that the the attitude that kind of, you know, made you who you Without were? Without a doubt. Yeah. Without a
1: doubt. In everything. Today, you know, you know who you are. If you, and no, nobody can know who you are better than, you, better than yourself if you're honest with yourself.
0: Well, I, I wanted to ask you, too. I, I'm your, your wife, Dolores, just walked through here a little while ago. She has a hair appointment uh, today. and But... Uh, you met her very young right were you guys at
1: 15 because okay. we didn't hook up until later on and so we dated, dated 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 together for many many years uh so yeah Dolores she's been like a the wind beneath my wings
0: <laughs> how long have you guys been married now I don't remember ever not being married. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while, yeah.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed.
0: And she was from ba- your neighborhood, basically? And, and Not
1: necessarily the neighborhood, but she went to Attucks. Uh-huh. Yeah, so... Uh, and here again, no accidents. Things happen for a reason. Uh, I was mentioned to her not too long ago. So, so it wasn't your, fault, your reason or my reason. Somebody, the Creator put us together for a reason. That's my belief, you know. And so it's been very, very... Uh, Marvelous situation.
0: When you guys were when you were traveling for the Globe charts, did you always live in Indianapolis? Was that always your home?
1: Always Indianapolis. Uh huh. What? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh-huh. Why? Why did you stay here? You could have gone elsewhere and, and, and lived. Well, obviously. you
1: know, wherever your parents take you when you're young. You know, and of course, when you, I didn't ever want to leave Indiana because of all the things I've accomplished. You know, and people, your friends and here, and, and teachers and, 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 and coaches or whatever you. you person that leaves home, sometimes they have trouble at home, I guess. I don't know why. And so I wasn't involved with any type of parents being in the military or anything like that. Even though I wanted to travel and everything, the vehicle of the Globetrotters answered my dream. I went everywhere because of the globe See, So I was being guided. I, I even pray today to guide me in my ways and what I say and how I feel mm-hmm. to the creator of everything. works for me.
0: Yeah. <laughs> I was going to ask you, too, before when we were talking about, um, you know, the 53 team, did you come back and watch the 55 team when they when they won the championship? Okay. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Did you take the same sense of pride like you were on the team? Oh,
1: or? yeah. That's am alma mater. You know, yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. And, of course, uh, Oscar, as a young kid, he, we were on the playground at night. Nobody, just the two of us out there, shooting the muscle in around like that. And so uh, – in fact, he used to tell when they asked him question about me. He said, "Well, I watch his footwork." And I didn't know what I was doing with my myself. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was just doing that. But it's always nice to know that someone, who, younger know, person, is watching you and they copy after you, which is good. Which I did the same thing. So, and uh, you know, even today, I wonder about. I guess I'm hooked on trying to help people. Whether it's, I watch the kids shooting the wrong way or something like that, and I try to go up and tell them in a way that I don't want to pinch their integrity, but I still like to see them do a certain way. And particularly when I see they they are doing something that's contradictory to what they need to do, so I, I enjoy doing that. I'm kind of like a, a person who's hooked on trying to teach people.
0: Yeah, that's quite an image. You set there, you and and Oscar, out there by yourself at night on the playground. That's that's right. that's, a, that's quite an image. Was he was a freshman when you were a senior? Could you see? As he was coming up, what he would later become?
1: I knew it because he was doing the same thing I had done. Plus, he was gangly, and I could see he had some natural moves, you see. Natural moves. And if I was seeing some of the same stuff that I was trying, doing, you see. And so, uh, one of the things, you know, even today, uh, a lot of NBA players don't seem to have that move where you, you, drill, you can take several steps between your dribble and your opponent, the guy who's guarding you, won't know what you're going to do. You, you can go anywhere way you want to, leading somebody, you know, but that was a move that I tried to show him. I tried to show kids today. Most time they think they got to take so many steps between dribble, but you can push that ball different ways, you know, and shake and bake and go.
0: <laughs> of course, Oscar went on. They went one fifty five, and then fifty six again, and then you know the fifty nine team also won a state championship uh, for Addicts. You know, then later though the the, the program uh, the the high school was closed in in the eighties. What was lost in that? Do you think? I know there was a lot of outcry from the Attic's alumni when when the school closed, and and now it's open, and they want the a, a state championship again. So the story uh, continues of of Attics. But for the time it was closed, I mean, how, did that hurt hurt I your don't heart? I to
1: they closed it. They wanted to make it into a middle middle school. Right? We called it like right magnet school or whatever. It didn't. What well, I was wondering what was happening because once they thought about uh, tearing the school down, it would have been a war. Right. <laughs> uh, Things change, you know? you know. I mean, it's, it's tough to uh, accept change. Sometimes it's for the better. Sometimes it's not so much for the better. I uh, At first, it kind of stung me a little bit. Then I just kind of got over it quickly and, and sort of kept it open there. and uh, uh, They're doing good. Even though it's different classes, they won the state a couple times.
0: They won a 3A in uh, 2017. And yeah. now they're 4A this this coming go-around. So they'll be mm-hmm. playing the big the Bigger schools now, so I don't Yeah,
1: and I were at that game when they won that. Yeah, uh-huh. you know, the, the Mr. Basketball is quite a title. This guy, uh, Romeo Langford, mm-hmm. they had a picture of me and he and I in, in, in the store together. And I've got that picture down the cup, brought back memories. And he's quite like I was. And I just hope he well, he left out, he left and went to Boston.
0: He's at Boston yeah. Celtics, and oh, he does well. Yeah, 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 one of the great players of the last few years. Yeah, yeah. smooth, yeah. And so when I see that, I'm seeing myself all over again, seemingly. You know. Well, you, you, so you kind of famously don't say how old you are. Um, you know, well, I'll I,
1: tell you, I'm 103.
0: <laughs> Before I ask you, you said somewhere between nine and 93. You I yeah. no, I'm 85. I, yeah. Well, that bears well. <laughs> 85,
1: January baby.
0: Okay. And you don't look it, though. I mean, do you, do, you, do you feel good? Or are you? I feel terrific. Yeah.
1: And, you know, I get that a lot. And, you know, I uh, tell people I can take this off. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I, I try to let
1: people, if they listen a little bit, on things that help me to get to where I am, such as trying to, your lifestyle means a lot. Uh-huh. You know, your diet. I never smoke or drink alcohol and uh, try to treat people right and think right. If you're thinking right, you're going to go right, you know. But that's not that easy to decide where we live in. So I, I do programs on how to manage the static and the attic. And then in order to have inner harmony you got to manage what's going on in your head. And the way to do that sometimes is read some spiritual things. We're spirit whether we want to be or not but you got to feed yourself with these types of thoughts in order to keep this going properly for you. Because mm-hmm. you got everything coming at you through uh, TV, newspaper, all the type of stuff that might not be the best for you. So you want to be... Uh, Conscious what you're taking through your mind, and go in the right direction, and do some praying. <laughs>
0: <laughs> How often do you? You're uh, you're still active, obviously. What you wrote a book a few several years ago. Uh, what do you kind of do now to, to 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 keep busy?
1: Well, I still shoot hoops occasionally. I noticed they put a, a nice hoop up. Uh, they did the uh, the the over up on the 16th Street Park from United Parcel. So did a nice one out at Riverside Park. And so uh, I used to walk over there from here and put a bag on my back and shoot. I still love the game, you know, shoot hoops or whatever. and whatever. Then I, uh, I used to go to the fitness center, and now I have a fitness center here, so I have a, a person a come over uh, once a week to give me some training, stretching, and utility ladder uh, yeah, uh, for, for balance and everything. Then I have a yoga teacher that comes over. So wow. I uh, try to take care of myself like that. Got to be active doing something. Then I do a lot of reading. I love to read. You know.
0: read the star. Obviously, no, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, what you're uh, putting your book together? How did how did uh, how did that come together? And what was the uh, what was kind of the genesis behind that?
1: Well, I made mean, my living primarily. Make, they call it public speaking, but I, I'm an edutainer. I, things that I've experienced, and I teach. And then big companies would have me come in and try to get to motivate uh, the, the, the troops. And I did that. And then so I was doing it so much, and people said, "When are you going to do a book? When are you going to do a book?" And I wasn't that. Uh, Serious about trying to do a book because a lot of books that I read was kind of fiction, and I wanted to do. If I'm going to do a book, I wanted to be out of my my true life experiences. And that's what my book is about, reality. So I enjoyed doing it. That. That I call that my Super Bowl to get that book together. All all, all the things I've accomplished and things I put where I've been and why is in that book. you So,
0: as you sit here now at 85, and, and you know, the, with a with obviously the great things you've done in your in your past, who do you who do you uh, other than yourself, kind of kind of credit for who Halle Bryant eventually became?
1: Well, I don't. as I said, I'm not trying to, Not religion, it's the spirit. I give God the credit for everything, and I do nothing alone. And then being around people like my father and the coaches and the good teachers and the principals and so forth, four phrases, what you're around, you learn. What you learn, you practice. What you practice, you become. What you become has consequences. The reason for that is the eyes are like cameras. He is like tape recorders. Every hair taking in something. So you want to watch what you're around because you're gonna become what you're around. Blah 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 blah.
0: <laughs> well, this has been a blast, uh, Hallie. Again, Hallie Bryant, the 1953. 1953- uh, Mr. Basketball went on to uh to IU and then I was a long career with the Harlem Globetrotters in, in many aspects and uh and Hallie, this this has been a lot of fun. Uh he still lives down in downtown in Indianapolis uh with his wife and uh and uh still doing great at uh, at eighty five. So Hallie really appreciate you doing this. It's my pleasure. I
1: appreciate you bringing the best out of me. Okay, and uh we've talked before did another uh, column before, but this is refreshing And I I really appreciate it. You
0: bet. Thanks so much, Mm Ali.